Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Good afternoon, it is five minutes after 12, you're listening to SENZ, Mark Watson with you sitting in for Mark Stafford. Telephone number is 0800 150 that's 0800 150 you can text us here on 8833. Love you to join the programme, share your thoughts on all things sport, certainly between 12 and 1, I think talkback is a better experience when you jump on the phone, have your say. Get it out. Express yourself. Tell us what you're thinking in the world of sport. 0800 150 811. You can text us here on 8833. Sam Hewitt alongside of us. We've got Finn, also part of the production team. We'll bring those gentlemen into the show a little bit later. I'll just get Sammy to fade out that GNR. As hard as I struggle to fade down the Guns and Roses, you can get in, never get enough of it. Hey, look, um, there's been a little bit of a um, backlash in regarding Israel Adesanya's reaction after he knocked out Alex Pereira because he basically um, tormented Pereira's son. It was payback for the way Pereira's son reacted when Adesanya was knocked out in the first of the UFC fights. Immature, probably. But I'm going to say this again. I just love the fact that it's not a boring narrative with Israel Adesanya. It's not a boring narrative with the USC. It's just engaging. It's different. It puts the sport at the forefront of people's minds. And it actually is just part of the entertainment package. Is Israel Adesanya classless like some people are saying? Maybe. Or was it just simply a way of him getting payback? And would any of us be any different in that moment, knowing how much it hurt losing that first fight? 
and having to bide your time, having to swallow your pride, having to deal with some of the anger. And then when you do win, you are a bit stupid. You are a bit over the top. You are a bit petulant. But there is a reason the UFC is so popular. First, it's gladiatorial, but also they build their personalities up. There's no love lost, and it is a train wreck. And I wish more sport would start following the UFC in terms of the way they market themselves. You would have heard me have this conversation yesterday. But sport in this country, nobody's watching it anymore. And I just want to ask that question again, why is nobody watching it? Is because there's not enough narrative around the sport to get you excited for you to want to go along? Is it too expensive? Has it become too sanitised now that all the personality, all the emotion, all the flaws that exist in sports people, that exist in mankind, that exist in the game itself, have all somehow been removed? 0800 150 is the number. Uh, look, I just want to touch too on this one. And, and look, this is certainly nothing against. Uh, this is certainly nothing against women. I just don't agree with stipulated, mandated equity policies in sport. New Zealand rugby are going to finally reach the forty percent target that Sport New Zealand have asked of all national sports organisations, saying that forty percent of your board must be women. This is actually just another form of discrimination. Now, I don't care whether your board is 80% women, 20% men. I don't care whether it's 100% women or 100% men. All I'm interested in is making sure that at a governance level, the best people are in place for sport. And the problem that when you put in an equity type model, you actually discriminate against better candidates and I'm not sure that you do, You, I think you end up doing your sport a disservice. And in a small country like ours where there's not a lot of money to go around, it's important you do have the best people in place. And I think the model is fundamentally flawed, and I don't agree with it at all. I'll give you a little bit of a, I, I'm all for equal opportunity. I but I don't believe in equal outcome. I think you provide everyone equal opportunity and then what you do with that determines the outcome. And it still needs to be based on merit. This is probably the best summation of what I'm actually trying to say. To achieve a quality of outcome requires that you discriminate against the best candidates to achieve balance. If, for example, you have 10 positions available and the 20 best candidates are of one gender, you can only offer five of those candidates a position. The other five positions must go to people of the other gender, even though there are 15 better qualified candidates. That's not good for your business or fair to the candidates. Now, the same would go in terms of promotions within a company. If you have four managers, two men and two women, one manager leaves, the replacement must be of the same gender regardless of who's best for the job. That is if you have a 50-50 equity model in place. In this case, they're asking for 40-60. Now, maybe some sports have been guilty in the past of perhaps being too male-dominated, have in fact been 
discriminatory towards women. And these sports haven't simply done enough to try and uh, rectify that and therefore this equity model has been forced to be put in place. Anyway, thoughts on that? 0800 150 is the number. Hi, Ryan. Hey, mate. How are you? Good, thanks. Good. Um, yeah, uh, so much to cover. But what I wanted to talk about was following on from uh, Smithy's show, and I only caught the end of it, but people talking about how despondent they are with rugby and, and uh, even himself now being more of a watcher, um, not being as entertained by the game and, and uh, you know, finding himself switching channels. Where I've had this conversation with you before and, and others before and, and uh, Smithy mentioned about actually being out and talking to the people, mm. you know, going to rugby clubs and then talking to people. And it's really worrying the downward trend um, where we are going with, with our national game. Um, and I think to a point, um, participation with uh, the average person in general, but definitely with rugby. And when I see quota systems having to be installed, that it scares me even further about where we're going to go with our game. Because I'm exactly like you. I feel that the best person, no matter what, um, they identify as or whatever uh, should be picked for the job. And I think in, in rugby in particular, with what I see is we do need a massive change and we do need, and I hate to say this, but I, I do think we need to, you know, lessen the, the, the older white guy uh, sort of influence and we need to embrace more diversity without a doubt. But But we need to continue to pick the right people for the right jobs, um, the people who deserve those positions. Yeah. Because yeah. that last comment, that last thing that you said, uh, the quote, was exactly right, mate, exactly right. Yeah, and look, I am seeing day-to-day good people say, I've had enough, I'm over it, I give up so much of my time, and I'm not getting picked or recognised or even given the opportunity because I'm not in this group, and how is that fair? And, mate, when you make people start to feel that way, Mark, they become despondent and they walk away from something they love and they and they give up because you can only take so much. And that, I think, is what I see happening with rugby in New Zealand. We're all just getting a bit sick and tired of PC crap and, and mis- you know, clear mistakes. If I go through the coaching selection, the process, the, the way Ian Foster has been treated has been disgusting, whatever your view on him. No, oh, no it's been... And a, you it's a been, it, seeing this, mate? You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, no, it's appalling management, and then you go, hey, hang on a minute. You know how hard it is to try and say get on the board of New Zealand rugby, right? You run through the you run through the CVs, you go on the website and you have a look, and all it is, to me, is just PowerPoint presentation. Yes, they're people who have achieved great things, but do they understand the essence of the product? Do they understand us at home? Like, I actually think... That that myself and um, people I talk to would actually be, sorry, I don't mean to, I'm not talking myself up here, I'm just saying I think I've got a better understanding of what's wrong with the game in this country than those people have because I'm with you, Ryan. I mean, you know, our best players are no longer playing. Uh, Club rugby's in a world of trouble. NPC's a shadow of itself. Super rugby's now, um, I mean, it's it's a shadow of itself. Uh, We're saying that, Rugby should only be the World Cup once every four years. We've got players being pulled out, rest and rotated. We've got incredibly appalling 
uh, recruitment policies in place. We've now got an equity system at the highest level. I mean, it's not good. It's not sustainable. Um, and yeah, and you know they control the media rugby. I mean, I used Sky yesterday as a great example. You never ever hear them going after anybody. You never hear them criticising. You never hear them challenging the establishment. They're just a PR firm. Then you look at rugby league and you wonder why that is so popular. And part of the reason why it's so popular is because there are so many narratives that surround that sport. Yes, there are train wrecks off the field, but there's so much to celebrate. The best players are playing every week. You've got a competition where you're not sure who's going to win. I mean, let's be honest. Yesterday, nobody picked the Tigers to beat Parramatta, but they almost did. Um, bottom of the table, lost six straight, but you know they're going to win at some point. And what rugby league does, they actually celebrate humanity's flaws. Rugby tries to pretend that we don't have any flaws and in doing so has sanitised it. But I just cannot believe that these people that get themselves on the board just can't see this. What are they there for? Are they just there because, hey, I'm on the board of New Zealand Rugby. It's another thing I can add to my CV. I look forward to getting my Queen's Honours in the future. I'm going to go to the World Cup, but I tell you what, I'm not going to stir the pot because I don't want to be the one that gets labelled because I don't want to damage my reputation. Well, that is part of it, mate. Once you start getting the free meal tickets and invites to this and invites to that, it's like it's glamorous. It's cool. If if you love rugby, if you got brought up on rugby in anywhere, uh, you enjoy that side of it without a doubt. And and I think that's it. But we had a great opportunity to to revolutionise and, and change the game with COVID. We didn't do it. We had the chance to, and I can't remember his name, but he's I think. CEO or something that might be of East Coast or around Northland, a Māori gentleman who went for the board, he ticked all these boxes, Mark. You know, all these boxes, um, especially being at grassroots level and being able to bring his experiences through. But there was just another box he didn't tick and he he didn't get that role. And And, whilst I think people who do get picked, oh, it is wrong. That is completely wrong. Yeah. You're doing a disservice to well, no, the you, game. As I, as I said, Ryan, if you're, and I'm going to have to move on, Ryan, but if you are, no worries. If you, no, no, but just, just listen to what I've got to say. If you're actually starting to pick people based on um, gender, whatever, however yeah. way you want to look at it and say, well, hang on a minute, this is just payback for 100 years of oppression or whatever spin you want to put on it, <laughs> you actually move away, you actually end up just becoming a political organisation. You're not actually there for the greater yeah. good. Yes, we've got to make some changes. Yes, we've got to create a, we've got to make people more aware. We've got to make sure there is always equal opportunity out there for everybody and there is a pathway for everybody. But you can't just suddenly right the wrongs by then suddenly manufacturing a policy which is fundamentally flawed. It's not the right way of doing it, Ryan. Hey, lovely, lovely to have you on the program, and thank you for kicking the show off. Hi, John. Oh, brilliant, brilliant, Rory. Absolutely agree. Hey, just on um, Adesanya, um, your comments yesterday that he's probably New Zealand's you know, best athlete at the moment, I'd probably agree with that. I mean, you see, um, everyone knows who he is in America. You know, he's even Donald Trump knows who he is. Um, and people are talking about, especially the Herald. I can't stand the bloody Herald. Um, but one of the writers uh, talked about the disservice he did at Asanya by, um, you know, posturing towards the opponent's son and, and kind of a little bit of payback. But it's all a part of the sport. It's the bravado. 
You know, Americans oh, love Cravado, man. But, but, but that's it too, and that just enhances that rivalry in the further. I mean, Israel Adesanya, yeah, do you target a 10 or 11-year-old kid? Well, I don't know. How well is the 10 or 11-year-old kid being brought up when he's, you know, when Israel Adesanya's lying knocked out and he's lying down and mimicking him and, and, and basically absolutely just ridiculing Israel Adesanya? I tell you what. I, I probably would be. I'd probably go from being mature to immature, and probably do exactly the same thing. You're in the moment. It's all very well to sit back here, isn't it, and say you wouldn't do it. I mean, I've played seven aside soccer on a Friday night, and I know at times I've got a little irrational. Now, thirty minutes after the game's finished, I'm embarrassed, and I go, "God, Mark, it's just a seven aside game." But in the heat of the moment, we all do dumb things, don't we? Yeah, exactly, mate. Exactly, and that's what it was. But you know, we love the guy. He's entertaining. You know, he's something that usually doesn't come out of New Zealand and that's someone that's proud of himself mm. and that um, shows up and, and talks his talk. And um, this guy, Duplessis from South Africa, is kind of trying to call him out, you know, saying that he's not African enough because he lives in New Zealand. Well, mate, I'll tell you what, you know, he's Nigerian-born, but he's Kiwi-raised yeah, and yeah, proud but, of both Europeans. But good on the South African. He's wanting to get the fight. He's wanting to agitate him. He's wanting to get under his skin. He's wanting this to happen. And when it does happen, that's then going to create the thing. You're talking about it. I'm talking about it. I just wish sport would stop treating us like we're perfect. Stop telling us. And, and somehow, the moment someone steps out of line, like the whole world, you know, like the earth's going to open up and everybody's going to go to hell. Oh, we're big enough, we're smart enough, we turn on the TV every day, there's violence on, there's shows that demonstrate our flaws. Sport have got to start marketing towards the flaws, stop moving away from them. Rugby have done it, look at that, no one's talking about it, no one's watching it, no one's going to it. I mean, rugby league, you know, there's always a disaster off the field. Every week there's a scandal, but for some reason people still turn up, the billion dollar television deals are done, and the product is a good product. Well, people, people love to see that they're normal, you know? Everyone has flaws. Mm. You know, the problem with... Well, John, 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 my wife would tell you that she probably doesn't have any. (laughs) Just joking, John. You better agree with it, mate. (laughs) I do agree with it, John. I do agree with it. I do agree with it. I probably shouldn't be so naughty. Hey, John, lovely to have you on the programme. Stop it, Mark. My wife's going, what did you say about me? Just joking. Just kidding. Got to be careful. I'll end up in the media because I made a joke. (laughs) Anyway... um, some texts that have just come on on Israel Adesanya. No other Kiwi athlete or celebrity needs a bodyguard when travelling overseas. Adesanya is a global superstar and we Kiwis don't celebrate him enough. Typical tall poppy. That comes from Mark. Brilliant. Uh, one of my friends has a beautiful man cave. We always go round and watch rugby, but it's just gotten so boring. And I'm sorry to say that uh, the female commentators just make it worse. And look, you're entitled to have that opinion. I mean, there are male commentators I don't like that grate me. I'm sure when I'm doing commentary, I grate people. I'm sure when Sam does the league commentary, some people love him, some people go, who's this guy? That's the game we're in. But it's okay to say that you don't like the female commentator or the female presenter. It's okay to say you don't like the male presenter or the male commentator. You know, if you're going to have the equity game, you've got to have... The good with the bad. And I know, and I said this yesterday, the pre-game rugby league shows on Sky are nothing short of cringeworthy. They are brutal, terrible, awful. I would much rather have Ian Smith on the sidelines doing the rugby than perhaps some of the alternatives they're now using. 0800 150 is the number. It's 22 minutes after 12. First time that lines are open. Love to get your thoughts. 0800 150 Also, those replacement coaches. If Scott Robertson gets his way, 
He takes away coaches from the Blues, the Hurricanes, the Crusaders, or the coaches that he has chosen, and I'll go through them off the back of the break, decide they don't want to be involved in the All Blacks. Who steps in? You might have a thought on that. 0800 150811. It's 27 and a half minutes after 12. You are listening to SENZ. Telephone numbers 0800 150811. You can text us here on 8833. Some good texts that have come in that I will get to shortly. Hi, Robbie. G'day, Mark. Hey, um, Mark, my big issue with watching Super Rugby now is I don't know what we're playing for anymore. The cup and whatever we're playing for has just changed so many times that you it's just one cup every different year, you know? No, look, I agree. I mean, what is it now? Super? I always forget too. Super Rugby Pacifica is what it's officially called now. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, I think for a competition too, you've got to have... You've got to have tradition. You've got to have legacy, and you've got to be able to tell that. 100%. You've got to be able to tell that story, and and rugby can't do that. And that's the issue. That's why um, club rugby's in England and France they sell out week in week out because they know what they're playing for. There's history. The same with the NRL. That's why people show up. I think. Yeah, look, it is. I mean, um, you know, I was just down at the uh, Marty Cup for secondary schools rowing the other week, and you know the boys race has been going 76 years and you go through the history of it, you go through you see there's those, those have rode in it, the great stories that go behind it and it's just becoming, it's even you know, it's becoming even more desirable for a lot more schools now because of its history Yeah, you're 100% right and I mean even the Australian Domestic Cup is the shoot shield, it has been, it always will be and now we keep turning up, and it's the Bunnings Cup this year, it's the Placemakers, it's the Mighty Ten mm. Cup, and you just got absolutely no idea what well, they're yeah. winning. Yeah, in South Africa, it's the Curry Cup. You still always hear the Curry Cup, don't you? But but that's what rugby's yeah. become. It's become so fragmented, and why it's become so fragmented is because it's still everything is set up. It's still all about the All Blacks. The only people that are benefiting at the moment in rugby are the players and the players' association. They're too powerful a body. I think the tail is wagging the dog, and it's all about them with no real concern for the bigger picture. No, I haven't seen. I mean, the players, the the players don't care. I mean, why should we as fans care when the New Zealand rugby, uh, uh, you know, who basically control these franchises, say that it's okay for our best players to rest in the name of the All Blacks? I mean, it's just it's just ridiculous. Look at the Highlanders, the start to the season for them. Why should Highlanders fans jump on board when you know the likes of um, you know the likes of. Oh, sorry, I'm just trying to remember they're all blacks that set out. Um, Aaron Smith, etc. You know, missed those games. Oh, because we're tired. I, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Now, that's all good. Thank you very much. Anyway, that's all my point was. It's just that I have no idea what I'm looking at at rugby anymore and what trophy anyone's going to lift this season because it's changed about five times in the last five years. No, fair enough, Robbie. Lovely to have you. Beautiful part of the country too, Wanaka. Hi, Mikey. Oh, g'day. Hey, yeah, this uh, Israel Palava uh, that they're going on about what he said about this kid, I, I saw the thing on YouTube, and I've got to say, has everyone lost their sense of humour? I thought it was hilarious. It was funny. But everyone's just climbing on him, and I just can't believe it. Like, he's character. He's doing a lot for his sport. Um, I remember way back in the day when um, Super Rugby was fairly competitive, and the Crusaders played over in South Africa, and Andrew Mertens gave the crowd the, uh, the bird at the end, which, again, was hilarious, and, and we down here remember that quite fondly. 
he got climbed into as well. Yeah, but Carlos, like, you know, on, Ka- characters in the game. Yeah, Carlos Spencer doing it to the Crusaders. It created the tribalism. Oh, I was there for that game yeah. and I hated it, but good on him. But but it created <laughs> it created that tribalism, didn't it? It, it? it said right the next time these two teams play, I want to go because I want to give it to Carlos Spencer, and that's what the thing of the Premier League is. Just going back to the Israel Adesanya, so you know he was knocked out last time. That young kid jumped into the ring, lay down next to him, yeah. and basically mocked him while he was unconscious. And Israel Adesanya hadn't forgotten that. Okay, immature no. probably, but I actually think it's great theatre, mate. I think it just adds to the product. And it's nice just to see somebody who's not standing there going, well, actually, it was a fight of two halves. And, you know, I just want to thank the forwards. And, um, yeah. And you've hit the nail on the head with that one word, theatre. That's what sports should be. Well, it should be great entertainment. Theater. Yeah, absolutely. Entertainment. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Anyway, people get a sense of humour back, please. For goodness sake. Not, not allowed one these yeah. days. Ah, uh, well, some of us can. That's all good. <laughs> now, good on you. Hey, lovely to have you on the program, Mikey. Thank you. Cheers, uh, we're going to bring you new sport and weather in one moment. Just want to read a text out. Hey, Watto, uh, read the equality thing. Take the Ashes commentary team, for instance. In my opinion, Ish Gua is one of the best TV cricket commentators going around. Yeah, agree with that. However, likely due to wanting to have a woman front the women's game, she's missing from the men's Ashes commentary lineup because it seems for the women's game, they want more female commentators and more men for the men's. I don't care. I just like to see. Uh, Isha do both and the best commentary team that comes from Chris I agree with that I completely agree with that see I actually think if you want to get like I, I think Ricky Swinnell is a very good women's cricket commentator in this country I'm not convinced by those below her in terms of the lead role it takes time and you can't just throw people into the top job but they're doing that I actually think having Tony Johnson doing more of, say, the women's Aupaki Super Rugby would actually bring it more credibility and actually make it a better product because he's one of the very best in the game. And if he's calling your game, it's acknowledgement of the quality of your product. And don't underestimate a good commentator. I always say this, the role of the commentator is that the sport itself or whatever you're showing is supposedly the masterpiece. How do you enhance the Mona Lisa? You put it in the right frame and you put it under the right light, and that's the role of the commentator, the frame and the light. 24 and a half minutes away from 1 o'clock, I think we've got John standing by with news, sport and weather. Do we really need a World Cup chant? Can't just teams bring their own and create their own sense of tribalism? I think Tu Teramai Na Iwi was one that they sort of used during the Women's Rugby World Cup, and that seemed to pick up. Can you just do the? Can you just give us what that World Cup one was? I just missed. I heard the end of it there. Can you just? I only know one, and that's you'll never walk alone, Sam. <laughs> what about the? It wasn't really a chant, but the the Waka Waka from South Africa. That was a good one with Shakira. Yeah, look, I'll, I'll be honest. Do I'm love sh- Shakira. I'm sh- look, I'm sure any time you hear something for the first time, you're not convinced. Any time you see something for the first time, a new brand launch, you think, oh. but once it's put out there enough, once it's played enough. You start to go, oh yeah, that actually is quite catchy. So. Well, do you remember when Spark? Um, I think we're rebranding from Telecom to Spark, and it was literally just a, <laughs> just a hashtag or something, wasn't it, or an ampersand or whatever it is, just a scribble. And everyone was like, you paid millions of dollars to just oh, have I, someone scribble, and now uh, now it's just synonymous with Spark. I know. And, and then these guys who have charged a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, a million dollars, sit down there with a thirty-page presentation. Mm unveiling a page so we sat down and we looked at the wider community and we felt that diversity was a big part of it so we thought we'd start with this we felt this was a good representation then we looked at it and felt you know and then by the time they roll it out you go 
that is brilliant. And you go, mate, it's just a whole lot of people well, who are really good at English, who are really good at just creating a whole lot of VS and charging a fortune for something a five-year-old could have come up with. I will find this in the break. Um, there was a town in, in Scotland, or maybe it was actually Scotland altogether, that, that paid hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars to get a new slogan, you know, like um, Hamilton, City of the Future, the little slogan. And after all this research, all this money spent, all this time, I'm pretty sure they just ended up with Welcome to Scotland. Dear, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear, oh dear. Uh, look, I just want to, someone to say in here, oh, I just want to say thank you to Paul, to Paul say. Uh, what I just wanted to say, great call on the Marty Cup a few weeks ago. How was the last final? Capped off some awesome racing on those final days. Yeah, it was a stunning couple of days of finals at the 76th edition of the edition of the Aon Marty Regatta. Our lines are open 0800 150 I just want to follow a little bit on a theme from yesterday, and that is um, I'm trying to work out where, where sport sits with you now, particularly live sport. Nobody seems to be going. Uh, Warriors are getting a good turnout. They've always had a really good, loyal base of fans, but I think that's also because the NRL market themselves well. Shows like NRL 360, the whole lot, the whole shebang, the antics off the field, the the brand athletes that seem to appear, uh, everything from the judiciary, the whole lot makes it a sort of an endearing product. But you've also got an established trophy and you've also got clubs that have just got such a rich history and heritage and they can go back and reflect on that and they've got a real sense of tribalism we don't have that in this country breakers are probably the closest thing to it um, and when you know I was just saying earlier today that New Zealand rugby are making major changes they're going to fall into line with this um, requirement from Sport New Zealand if they want funding where you've got to have 40% of your board women I don't believe in an equity model I just believe in the best qualified model. And if that's 80% women, good. If it's 80% men, good. If it means that 90% are Māori or Pacific, great. Let's just have the best people running sport. Yes, I understand there have been mistakes made in the past and you can argue there's been a level of oppression towards certain, certain groups in society. But we've got to have the best people. And if, you don't, if you're going on an equity model, all you're actually doing is you're actually just... Um, discriminating against people who are better qualified. And you look at our administrators in this country at the moment, and I would argue that a lot of sports need to take a long, hard look at themselves and their governance. And ironically, a lot of those sports are actually predominantly men on the board. So I'm not against women being on the board. I'm not against... I just want the best people on the board. That's all I want. I don't think we need to put an equity model in place. Because if a board member suddenly resigns, you then have to replace that board person with somebody of the same gender, which means that you are technically not necessarily appointing the best person. 0800 is the number. There are spare lines for the first time today. We will take a break. We will come back with more. 14 minutes away from 1 o'clock, 0800 150 811 is the telephone number. You can text us here on 8833. We're going to talk some English Premier League football after 1 o'clock. Get a bit of a wrap of the weekend. Andy Buckley, a BBC radio commentator for Manchester City, will talk all things EPL after 1. Uh, just had a text come in from Josh talking about the state of rugby. He says, Mark, Club Rugby and Nelson, only five division, one sides. 
Marlborough have only three. And Wellington's rugby is two women's teams down from 2022, wanting to know how the rest of the country is doing. I would argue that it's not great. And I'll keep saying it, club rugby is vital to New Zealand rugby because what it does, it takes the size factor out. You cannot have schoolboy rugby as being the stepping stone to higher honours because it's the big kids that do well at schoolboy rugby. Schoolboy rugby does not cater for the late developers, those kids who tend to go through puberty a little bit later. Thus, club rugby is vital, but we are eroding it. I've said this before, I'll say it again, I think the best thing New Zealand rugby could do would be sit down with Sky, it's nothing to do with Sky's presentation here, and say, you're our broadcast partner, we no longer want you broadcasting schoolboy rugby, we want you to start broadcasting club rugby, so that club rugby then becomes the stepping stone. And I think there are a lot of really cool stories with club rugby as well, the history and the tradition, the All Blacks that have gone through it, the catchment areas, the whole lot, and I think you could do it quite nicely. And then, like anything, end up having a national club competition. That's one way I think you could address the demise of club rugby around the country. Uh, I just also want to talk about this. This came in from Craig earlier. He says, Mark, I heard you talking to Ian Smith and tend to agree about the best person for the job, not a percentage of this or a percentage of that, i.e. quota system. He says, how is 40% women any different than the South African racial quota system in some of their sports? Well, it's, look, very different reasons for doing it, but you're right, I mean, to a degree, it is still, as I said, it's still discrimination towards somebody. If you've got a quota system in place, it's a discrimination somewhere else. And I'll argue that you discriminate against possibly the best candidates. I mean, if you've got 20 candidates of one, uh, one gender applying for a job and 15 of them are brilliant and you've got 10 places but only five can be given and then you've got only 10 applicants of the other agenda applying for a job or a role but you have to give them five, then you're not going to have the best people, are you? It's simple mathematics. South Africa brought a racial quota system into rugby because when they did have the apartheid system break down, rugby still didn't buy into it. Rugby at a super rugby level still had a huge prejudice, still had a high level of discrimination towards black players. And so it got to the point where the government had no choice because rugby was not doing enough to bring the black players through to encourage uh, the black community in South Africa from taking the game up and providing them the pathways. So they brought the quota system in but they did give those sports an awful lot of opportunity. But I don't agree when it comes to your national teams that you have to have a quota system, that the Springbok need to have X amount of white players, X amount of black players, or their cricket teams. I don't agree with that. But sometimes in countries like South Africa where you've got a rich history of apartheid, Yeah, sometimes you do have to bring some legislation in to maybe get things moving in the right direction. Ten minutes away from one o'clock, oh eight hundred one five oh eight double one. Let's bring in the great man himself, Sammy Hewitt. Hello. Sam, Scotland. All right, so back in two thousand and five, Scotland had the tagline, the slogan, the best small country in the world. 
Mm-hmm. which is probably up for debate, but that was their slogan. And then a uh, new administration came in and decided that they needed to spend $150,000 on a campaign to work out if that was the right slogan or not, if they should change. And the conclusion they came to is that they needed to change it to Welcome to Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's what's we're, plastered we're around our, all the airports. One, our summer, <clears throat> one day of the year. Yeah. You just think of Scotland being just doom and gloom, don't you, in terms of weather, the, the, in terms of weather gloomy. The funny thing is... Sometimes but there's a romance those, about it. Yeah, sometimes those stupid campaigns. It's like so. I always remember when Hamilton, you know, because I grew up in Hamilton, and all the signage came out for Hamilton on, you know, the on at the end, and it was you know mm. always on, and like it was so naff. But then it just became almost a gag in and of itself, and therefore became very very recognisable and actually did its job. And you know, you, and you just then became the Tron, didn't you? We became the Tron, city of the future, city of dreams. City of Tron. See, I always felt that the best one for Hamilton was Hamilton. At least we're not Huntley. <laughs> It's not bad. Not bad. Is well, it? Lisa, I would have said at least we're not Huntley like a year ago when uh, you know no one goes past Huntley anymore because well, of the bypass. But now no one goes past Hamilton because they bypass that as well. What about the Decker sign? That's still Huntley. there. It's still there. That's still there. Still, still there. So here's a, here's a um, political uh, debate for you, Mark. Should we really be running all our motorways past these cities? Therefore, you know, no one comes to Hamilton anymore because you just go straight through to Cambridge. Well, okay, give us a reason to stop in Hamilton. Hamilton Gardens, the base. Um, yeah, I think of New Zealanders as being gardeners, yeah. It's a beautiful garden. I don't know if you've ever been there. The Japanese garden in particular is actually very beautiful. But mm. um, Okay, so you've been, you to, go the gar- the base, you've you been to the garden once? Yeah, go to the garden. Um, you go to the base, do a bit of shopping. Um, like at a river. You're describing it as the Monaco of the South. Go mate. to the casino. Get yourself some Waikato oh. uh, swamp water, have a few beers. Go to Waikato Draft, yeah. And... Um, the Mulu men. A couple of restaurants, a couple of good restaurants I can think of. Claudlin Event Centre if you want to go watch some netball or... Ring the ring the bell? Yeah. Cowbell? The cowbell. Yeah, get your cowbells out. Look, I've said, I've, this is how I view Hamilton. Great place to raise a family. Got to get out before you're 18. Otherwise you're screwed. <laughs> uh, dear, I apologise to everybody in Hamilton. I love Hamilton. So do I. <laughs> City of dreams. The problem, text that's come through, the problem that rugby has is that we're more and more becoming dominantly feminism and the bull feminists are determined to destroy the old British world of which rugby is a big part. Look, there needs to be a shift. There needs to be a change. I mean, society does need to evolve. But yeah, rugby's got to be careful and that it just doesn't end up becoming just... Yeah, um, a political platform for um, people who have, what's the word, have um, or who are just trying to write, somehow write the wrongs of the past and feel that this is the best way of doing it. You know, sport should not be a political platform for men's rights. It shouldn't be a political platform for women's rights. Sport is sport, man. And we've got to go back to a meritocracy. What we have to do in this country, if we're going to put any energy into anything, it's about creating equal opportunity. That's what you want, equal opportunity. But there is a big difference between equal opportunity and equal outcome. Equal outcome is dangerous. Equal opportunity is the model. Because then once you're given that opportunity, it then comes back to a meritocracy. What a 
Yeah, sorry, just talking to our Australian correspondent, Peter Mears. He's going to join us on the program after three to Great. talk about the Australian Super Rugby now franchises. The key, the key is don't think about what Hamilton is. Think about what it isn't, right? So t- give me a couple of things that make Auckland so bad. Traffic. Doesn't exist in Hamilton. Um, Potholes. Potholes. Don't exist. Orange cones. Don't exist. Roadworks don't exist. What have you been smoking, mate? Good schools, though. Great hey, someone's schools. Someone's saying Hamilton's great because it's got the Grey, Ki- the Grey Street Kitchen and Duck Island Ice Cream. Right next to each other. Great establishments. Brilliant. Well, until I go down there and give me a free meal, I can't confirm that. Gosh, <laughs> tell them I sent you. Anyway, uh, we are going to bring you some new sport and weather, and then after one o'clock we will talk some English Premier League football. Andy Buckley, after one.